Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 10 all the way down to 20, and I'll be reading out of the Common English Bible. Jesus called the crowd near and said to them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates the person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you just said? Jesus replied, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be pulled up. Leave the Pharisees alone. They are blind people who guide the blind. But if a blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter spoke up, explain this riddle to us. Jesus said, don't you understand yet? Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual sins, theft, false testimonies, and insults. These contaminate a person in God's sight, but eating without washing hands doesn't contaminate in God's sight. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, we're grateful for, grateful for every opportunity that we have to gather in Jesus' name to lift our hearts and our minds and our souls to you in worship and praise and thanksgiving. And so as we are gathered here, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Because you, God, and you only are worthy of our praise. Amen. So when you receive a gift, don't you want to open it as soon as you possibly can? I was baptized as a baby at Hillside Methodist Church in Medford, Massachusetts. Though I have vague memories of attending um, vacation Bible schools uh, as I was younger, I don't believe that I actually began to access the gift of God that was in my baptism until I was in high school. Can you imagine that? Because when you receive a gift, don't you want to open it as soon as you possibly can? Yet the gift that we all receive when we claim Jesus as our Savior, when we give our lives to God, when whatever terminology you want to use with that, this unconditional love, forgiveness of our sins, and the beginning of healing for all that is broken within us, and some of that gift remains unopened even today i want to invite you all to open your gift or open more of your gift today it's the gift of life the gift of eternal life the gift of life with the god who made you and who made me and i want to assure you that nothing you have done nothing you can do will get your name erased from God's gift list. Now, I suppose you can refuse to accept the gift. That's your choice. But I want you to know that God won't choose to ungive the gift. That's a big part of what this series, Do I Belong, is about. It's that God won't ungive the gift that God has offered to you. That God hasn't and won't ever retract that offer to you. So very shortly after I claimed this gift that God gave me in my baptism, 
also claimed this part of humanity that many of us hold on to pretty tightly. And I'm talking about the part of humanity that makes lists of what to do and what not to do. And that's really what today is about. These lists that we make or that we inherit from other people. But I assure you, I'm not telling you, and nothing today can be construed to be saying that I'm saying we're getting rid of all the lists. Because there are things that we do and there are things we don't do if we've accepted God's gift and if we follow Jesus. But there are lists. This life is not about the lists, the life that God offers us. So, for example, the Pharisees. In this morning's readings, they've called Jesus out because his disciples ate without ritually purifying their hands by washing them before they ate. So I want to say something about the Pharisees before we go any further. I want to invite you to be careful because if, if you're like me and you read anything in the Gospels about the Pharisees, you're tempted probably to look down on the Pharisees. Sometimes, I've, 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 I've known this to happen, in some worship settings, the congregation has been trained to boo whenever the Pharisees are mentioned in the Gospels. But I want to encourage you that even though today's lesson is not from Luke 18, if you catch yourself giving God thanks that you're not like the Pharisees, take a step back from that for a moment. Because it's a good idea, I believe, for God's people, for followers of Jesus, always, when we read stories about Jesus and the Pharisees, to ask ourselves this question, how am I like that? I mean, you can ask how you're like Jesus in the story, but most importantly, I think we have to ask ourselves, how am I like that regarding the Pharisees? Because the Pharisees in this story and so many others are out to get Jesus. I assume you caught that in Julie's reading. Now, Matthew never explains to us why the Pharisees are out to get Jesus. I suppose he believes he doesn't have to explain that to us. But they're, they're really critical in this story of the habits of his disciples. They aren't richly purifying their hands before they eat. So the Pharisees asked Jesus, why are your disciples breaking the elders' rules handed down to us? They don't richly purify their hands by washing them before they eat. So if you suddenly now want to know more about what is ritual purification of your washing your hands before you eat, you may turn to Exodus 30 if you like. But what you find in Exodus 30 about ritual purification is not wash your hands before you eat. What you find there is about the ritual purification of priests as they're preparing to, to, to perform the sacrificial system that's laid out in the rest of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. But sometime between Moses and this moment we're in in Matthew, the elders had extended this practice of ritually purifying by washing your hands from the tabernacle originally and into the temple. They'd, they'd taken it to the whole household. They'd taken these instructions from the Torah, the law, the book of instruction, and expanded them and added to them to include every household of God's people. So Jesus seizes this moment, as only Jesus can, to turn the conversation around on the Pharisees. This is why it's so important for you, to me, you and me to see ourselves as Pharisees. Because 
we may be guilty of some of the things the Pharisees do. So we need to admit, whenever we read the scriptures about the Pharisees and Jesus, we at least potentially are the Pharisees. So not only do the Pharisees try to hold Jesus and disciples to rules that they've added to the instructions, we also recognize the Pharisees are projecting their own concern onto the disciples, onto others. And it seems clear from the way Matthew tells the story, they don't do this because they're actually concerned about the disciples and how they're doing things. They do this not out of concern for the disciples or Jesus, but to make themselves appear holy and right. And whatever else we make of this Do, not, of, of this do I Belong series, I hope you'll get this. The church in America today has a major reputation problem. And we can blame the people outside the church for holding this reputation against us all we want. But people who aren't part of church see the church as condescending and judgmental. And telling them it's their problem only proves their point. They might actually hear the words that are coming out of our mouths when we say things like, God is love, or God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him wouldn't die but have eternal life. But they don't listen to that. Because even though we know that God is love and that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, we know those things are in the scriptures. Some of us don't want to quote those scriptures to the hurting and the lost and the broken in the world. We want to quote the scriptures at them about what they're doing wrong because we've got lists and we're out to prove it. As if God leads with lists. Although to be fair, it does seem kind of clear in the Gospels that, that there, is a, there is a subset of people that Jesus approaches by kind of leading with identifying their faults. And that group that Jesus is quick to identify the faults, it's the religious people. It's not the non-religious people. It's the religious people like the Pharisees. And like us. So Jesus seizes this moment to turn the tables on the Pharisees and to turn the tables on us. And he turns the tables on us when we get off focus, when we let lists be more important than love, when we let the wrong things run our lives rather than the main thing. Because remember, and give thanks for this, when Jesus turns the tables on us, he does it to teach us still not to condemn us. Jesus doesn't try to catch us doing something wrong so he can condemn us or judge us. Jesus has this way of calling people's attention throughout all the Gospels to their own stuff that doesn't alienate them, that doesn't make them want to leave. It draws them closer to him even as he identifies where they need work. If we ask Jesus, do I belong? Jesus' response itself tells us that we belong, and it makes us want to belong. So Jesus turns this around on the Pharisees. He says, why do you break the command of God by keeping the rules handed down to you? For God said, honor your mother and your father, and the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly be put to death. But you say, if you tell your father or mother everything I've expected to contribute to you, I'm giving as a gift to God instead, then you don't have to honor your father? So you do away with God's law for the sake of rules that have been handed down to you. Hypocrites, 
Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human rules. They teach instructions that are human rules. Like, a popular one when I was in high school was, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go out with girls who do. You could get it on a t-shirt at any Christian bookstore. And we did that, of course, because good Christians don't drink or smoke or chew, except when they do. Because there are faithful followers of Jesus all around the world who absolutely do not drink alcohol. And there are those who do. There are faithful followers of Jesus all around the world who don't smoke or chew. And there are those who do. And none of these are determining factors for belonging to God. In fact, it's hard to say exactly what is required to belong to God. It depends, honestly, on how you read the Bible. Because the same Jesus who said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, said to the rich young ruler, you must sell all you have and give, away, give everything to the poor, and said in Matthew 25, the story of the sheep and the goats, that the only thing that's really required, it all comes down to what you do or don't do, is feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, and those in prison. I mean, it could be as simple as love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But even here, Jesus turns things around on us in today's reading because he called the crowd nearer to them and said, listen and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates the person, food eaten by hands that aren't richly purified. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates a person. So the disciples said... Do you know the Pharisees were offended by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be pulled up. Leave the Pharisees alone. They're blind people who are guides to blind people. But if a blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall in the ditch. Then Peter spoke up. Explain this riddle to us. Jesus said, Don't you understand yet? Don't you know that Everything goes into the mouth, enters the stomach, and goes out into the sewer. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. It's about the heart. It's about your heart. It's about my heart. The prophet Jeremiah spoke of this new covenant. A covenant where God would break our hearts of stone and write the law on our hearts of flesh. So here's the really good news about that. Jesus came to change hearts. And it's this change of heart that is, it's a gift. It's a gift that is freely offered to you and to me and to everyone. But this gift has to be received as much as it is given. So, have you received this gift that God offers? Has it at least begun to work on changing your heart? I was driving home from Memphis a couple weeks ago and saw a God billboard. You've seen God billboards, right? Typically, they're all black, 
simple white print, some pithy quote attributed to God. Some of them are really entertaining. Some of them are awfully pharisaical. This one, my jury's still out. It said, genuine Christians love their enemies. That's all it said. Okay, there was a phone number at the bottom too. But all it said, genuine Christians love their enemies. As much as I appreciate Jesus' command to love our enemies and all the implications that ought to have on how we live out our faith, I felt like the sign was speaking as a Pharisee. So, genuine Christians love their enemies? So if I can think of one time I failed to love my enemy, then I'm not a genuine Christian? If I'm not a genuine Christian, do I know anything that's real? Do I only become a genuine Christian when I have actually succeeded in loving every one of my enemies? Because it seems like there's more enemies popping up all the time. So I have to say to that sign, no thank you, I'm not buying what you're selling. I have failed to love my enemies. There's been at least one time this last week I failed to love my enemy. But God has given me this gift, this pure free gift, and I have accepted it. It took me a few years because it was offered to me, presented to me in my baptism when I was a baby, when I was too young to know any different. And I didn't begin to accept it for more than 10 years. But I have accepted it. And I'm still working on accepting it. Please pray with me. God, we ask that you would call to our minds now all the ways that we have individually and collectively accepted the gift that you have offered us. And in the context, God, of us thinking about and rejoicing in your free gift of love and life and forgiveness and healing, in that context, God, help us identify the resident Pharisee within us that makes things about lists rather than love. God, we give ourselves to you that the Holy Spirit would work in us this week to draw us deeper into accepting the gift that you have offered us so that the world around us might see that you are a good, good God. And that you have offered this gift to everyone. So we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.